If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 86 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on March 7th, 2021. Now let's get started by, as always, giving our shoutouts to Grunt Talks MLB, Reckless Airwaves Radio, and Ball 9. Ball 9 brings you some of the best baseball content out there. Baseball stories old and new, articles, roundtable discussions, suggested baseball podcasts like Yapping Yankees, and more. So why don't you go ahead and visit Ball 9's website, ball9.com, and follow them on all social medias at Ball9, and know what you don't know. Next, we have Reckless Airwaves Radio. Get your latest uncensored, unlimited dish on everything sports. Interviews, featured podcasts, including Yapping Yankees, and much, much more. Anything goes on Reckless Airwaves Radio. Give them a follow across all social medias at Reckless Airwave, and check out their website, RecklessAirwaves.com. And our final shout-out goes to Grunt Talks MLB. Visit their website, GrunttalksMLB.com, to see all of their baseball content and where they feature Yapping Yankees. Also, follow the mastermind behind that website. His name is Darren, and you can find Darren on Twitter at YankeeReport28, and follow them on all social medias at GrunttalksMLB. Special thanks to all of our friends at GrunttalksMLB, Reckless Airwaves, and Ball9 for always helping to spread the word about Yapping Yankees. And also, don't forget, guys, that you can help spread the word about Yapping Yankees and stay updated on everything with both me and the Yankees by following me on all social medias. Please be sure to follow my Facebook fan page at MikeScuderoNY. Follow me on Twitter at MikeScudero and on Instagram at MikeScuds97. And also remember to subscribe and always listen to Yapping Yankees on all four platforms it's available on. And those platforms would be YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Ah, it is March 7th. Wow. (laughs) Hope you're doing well and had yourself a good week in the first week of March. I did, between having baseball back, having some nice weather days, watching the WandaVision finale, things like that. (laughs) And also, speaking of March, this month obviously marks a year ago now since COVID made the sports world, and the world in general, just come to a complete standstill. And the virus is obviously still around now, but it's definitely better than it was basically a year ago when everything went under total lockdown. But this month marks a year, and that's just crazy. (laughs) And it really is weird because it feels like it just happened yesterday, but it also feels like forever ago. I don't know if any of you can relate to that, but it's a really weird feeling. Time has both flown with that, and it feels like it's been like 20 years inside of a year. (laughs) I can't really describe it, but that's how it feels. But it is wild that this month marks a year since everything with COVID started here in the United States, at least. 
but today specifically marks a week since spring training games started last Sunday when we last spoke, and plenty has happened, good and bad, I suppose. A couple of bad things in particularly, like the New York Post sports getting on Stanton for having a quote-unquote slow start after two damn at bats <laughs> Some people's stupidity really never ceases to amaze me. Two at-bats, and he's off to a slow start. <laughs> you can't make this crap up. I've been ragging on them all week long for that article on Twitter. But the other bad thing that I wanted to mention, and it's more of MLB news in general, but it's still important to mention. It was mentioned this past week, obviously, but Major League Baseball said that teams will be using alternate sites again, like the ones used during the 2020 shortened season, while also delaying the beginning of the AAA season by at least a month. At least a month. And even then, they believe the alternate sites could last longer into the season, and... Apparently, the reason for bringing back the sites, which, in case you need a reminder, are used as training facilities for players who are most likely to be called up to the majors during the season, is because of the proximity to teams' home stadiums, and also it's easier for oversight of testing and COVID protocols, apparently. So, the minor league season for other levels, like AA and under, were already delayed. And now, with less than a month to go until the major league season was to start, now AAA is being delayed. And instead of their season, at least until it's not delayed anymore, hopefully, they will be at these alternate sites again instead of playing legitimate baseball games against legitimate opponents on opposing teams at their level, obviously. And I just, <laughs> I swear, man, these poor minor leaguers these last couple of years, a lot of them, I have to imagine, really must have lost some vital development time. They really must have lost a lot of important development time in their young careers. I mean, seriously. I feel for them. I really, really do. So hopefully that all comes to an end as soon as possible as things continue to improve virus-wise and people continue to get vaccinated and things continue to ease up, hopefully, and these guys can get back to the regular minor league routine because this is just ridiculous at this point. And again, detrimental to their development. I really do feel bad for these guys. Again, even going back to last year when the pandemic started and these alternate sites started to be used and the minor league seasons weren't played at all last year, and now the AAA season, along with the others, is being delayed, and they're bringing back the alternate sites for possibly months down the line. Minor league baseball the last couple of years has just taken such colossal hits, and it just really sucks. And yeah, they'll still be able to train during all this, but it's just different when you're able to play opposing teams and actually have games, have a routine, have a season. It's just different. It's much better for a minor leaguer's development, obviously. And I hope they can get back to that as soon as possible. This just sucks for the minor leaguers. It really, really does. And we spoke all about the alternate sites when it was going down last year and how that whole system works. So let's just hope it returns to normal as soon as possible. So those are pretty much the bad things that have happened, if I had to say. But obviously, there's also tons of fun and good things going on with baseball back and spring training ongoing. Seeing the guys play, the really fun battle going on for bench spots on the opening day roster right now between guys like Mike's Ford and Talkman. Wade is competing too, obviously, but he's more or less guaranteed a spot, unfortunately, because not for nothing, he's basically all the Yankees have as far as backups for shortstop, which I absolutely hate because I'm just beyond over Tyler Wade at this point, so... Hopefully something can be figured out with that. But in any event, Wade is in on the competition. Jay Bruce and Derek Dietrich, of course, who are both having good springs. 
And while I'd rather Dietrich because of versatility, age, even if just a couple of years younger, and the pop in his bat, just overall skill and everything he brings to the table, Bruce isn't making it easy. Because he can still play multiple positions, even if not as good as Dietrich necessarily. He still provides lots of raw power, which again, of course, the Yankees do not have any shortage of. Both of them would be good for the short porch in right field. And he too, as I said earlier, is having a good spring. And especially pertaining to the right field short porch, but also because of the Yankees' need for left-handed batters in general. If nothing else... All of these guys I've mentioned have at least a little value because they're left-handed bats. So the bench competition has been really fun to watch. The suspense, if there's an extra spot or two open on the opening day roster for a bench spot, who's going to get it? As far as pitchers, we saw Garrett Cole make his first start of the spring. We saw Tyon pitch twice and kick ass. Saw my boy Kluber start and kick ass, which, by the way, because of my belief in both Tyon and Kluber especially Kluber, on Twitter the other day, I officially declared myself the main hype man for Corey Kluber, head of his fan club, if you will. So if you want to join, just let me know. But we also heard about Andy Pettit apparently texting Jordan Montgomery, telling him that he thinks Monty's fastball is even better than his own when located well. That's gotta be an honor beyond belief to hear if you're Monty. Andy Pettit telling you that if you locate your fastball well, he thinks it's even better than his own. (laughs) Just a lot of fun having baseball back. You get it. And speaking of fun, why don't I tell you what I have planned for today's episode? Do a little table setting for you. So we'll start off today's show with something in the social media segment that I actually haven't done in a little while, and that is a Q&A. Question and answer. You give me a question, I answer it. And I'll probably do like 10 questions between Twitter and Instagram. I'll see how I do on timing. Then for Yankees news later on, I am going to hit on the pacemaker procedure that Aaron Boone had a few days ago. I'll read his statement on it and discuss how he's doing now and just everything. And I honestly had no idea that Boone ever had any heart conditions or anything before it was announced that he was getting his procedure a few days ago. So definitely a big deal, heart conditions, obviously and we'll talk all about his procedure later on. We'll also discuss a day being dedicated to a Yankee legend. Long overdue, if you ask me, but you know what they say, better late than never. We'll talk about that too, and then to wrap up the show at the end, we will quickly recap this past week's spring training action in the return of the weekly recap segment, and just talk about a couple of noteworthy things from each game, some takeaways, not too in-depth, because as I said last week, No one cares to go deep into discussing games that don't count, so (laughs) not even me. So I'll just mention some noteworthy things in the games, and that'll be that. Sound good? Good. Let's do it. (laughs) Let's get right into the Q&A and head on over to Twitter. So again, it's been a little while since we did a question and answer. I'm looking pretty forward to it. Got a bunch of questions. I'm obviously not going to get to all of them, but I will get to as many as I can. And you can obviously ask any question you want, I guess, even though obviously it's Yapping Yankees. I prefer for the question to be Yankee-related. But if there are some off-subject questions, I'll try to get to maybe one or two, but I'm going to try to mainly keep it on topic with the Yankees, just Yankee-related questions. All right, let's start things off with Mike Nelson at MD Nelly, and he asks, five names, pick two to make the opening day roster, and why? Dietrich, Bruce, Florial, Talkman, Wade, and Ford. I think that's one, two, three, four, five, six names. You lied to me. <laughs> so six names. All right, so these two. 
that I would want to make the roster. I'd have to say Dietrich. I want Dietrich on the opening day roster badly. I really, really do. And of the other ones, Bruce is having a great spring, obviously. Good veteran, can play multiple positions, outfield, first base, DH. Um, I, I And obviously a left-handed bat like Dietrich is. I would really like if Bruce made it. I don't think Floreal's going to make it. I just don't think he's ready yet, and he hasn't been ready for a few years as of now. I don't really care if Talkman makes it as much. I honestly really don't. Tyler Wade is probably a shoe-in because, as I said earlier in the introduction to the show, he's basically all the Yankees have as far as backup at shortstop to Glaber, so even though I don't want Tyler Wade to make the roster, he's probably going to make it, as I said. And Mike Ford, I don't really care if he makes it to the roster at this point. So honestly, two that I would want to make are Dietrich and Bruce, but the two that are probably going to legitimately make it, definitely going to be Wade number one. I'd be shocked if Tyler Wade doesn't make it onto the roster. And two, and of course also this also depends on what happens for the rest of spring training, but two, I would have to go with Dietrich, particularly if he has a really good rest of spring training, if he does very well. I'd be shocked if he doesn't make it. But basically for the reasons I said before when I was talking about Dietrich and Bruce, they both have solid attributes. Of course, when you're talking about Bruce, you have the veteran factor. You have the fact that he's a left-handed bat. He can play in the outfield. He could be a DH. He could back up at first. Obviously, brings a lot of raw power to the table, which, as we've said a million times, the Yankees are, of course, not in any shortage of power. And Dietrich, of course, because he's very versatile as well. He's a left-handed hitter. He's even a couple of years younger than Jay Bruce. He brings quite a bit of pop in his bat, and he's just a really good guy to have around, especially for depth. And both he and Bruce being left-handed hitters, especially even more so in Bruce's case, because again, he's just raw power, they both work well in Yankee Stadium with the right field short porch. So for all of those factors, those are why I would want Dietrich and Bruce to make the roster, but realistically, one of those two are probably not going to make it in exchange for Tyler Wade, because again, Tyler Wade, as it's been said many times, is basically all the Yankees have as far as shortstop backups. And hopefully the Yankees can find a solution to that because I just really, I really don't care for Tyler Wade being on the Major League squad anymore at this point. I really, really don't. And there's also another name in this competition sort of for bench spots that hasn't been mentioned yet either in this reply or the introduction, and that's also Miguel Andujar. Of course, because of the little amount of games he played with the squad last year and all the time he missed nearly the whole season with the exception of the first couple of weeks in 2019, and the fact that he's a liability defensively at third base, it's probably easy to forget about him, but he's also in on this too. He's been playing in spring training, he's been doing good at the plate, which isn't a surprise because we know Andujar can hit. But, again, a liability with the glove. He's another right-handed batter, which could be considered useless to somebody else who would really want more lefties on the team. And as far as third base depth, you might want somebody much more like Derek Dietrich. Dietrich has played at second base in the infield and at third base, and he could be Gio's backup. Good glove, left-handed hitter, and the whole nine yards. And obviously, at this point in time, it would be better if you trade Andujar, but you also have to imagine that his trade value at this point in time is at an all-time low. So it'll be interesting to see what the Yankees do with him, but I don't see him making the opening day roster as of now, and I don't know what would happen throughout the season with him and anybody else who doesn't make the roster, because again, that could all change if injuries happen, and you get it. You get the whole deal. So anyway, those are my picks with the choices you gave me, and... I also hit on the two who I think could very realistically be on the team as far as the Yankees are concerned, who they'll choose. But we'll see. Things could happen still for the rest of spring training, or the Yankees could just make different choices and I could be off base. We could all be off base. Who knows? 
All right, up next is at Blue Russian 5555, and they ask, who will be the Yankees' best pitcher outside of Cole? Hmm, 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 hmm. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't go with the guy whose fan club I'm heading up. <laughs> but I am going to go with Corey Kluber. Now, we know he's not going to 100% be the Corey Kluber of the past, especially as far as innings pitched is concerned, because we know Corey Kluber was a 200-inning workhorse before his injury struggles in 2019 and 2020. And we know that we're probably only going to see him and Jameson Tyon pitch about 150 innings or so this year. We've well established that here on the show. But in that time, I do think that he's going to be the best pitcher outside of Garrett Cole. Because if Kluber stays healthy, and we even get just most of what he used to be in those 150 or so innings pitched, I mean, you've got an elite pitcher on your hands at that point. And as I've said, I very much believe in Jameson Tyon, too. I think his stuff is extremely promising. He's got a lot of upside, as I've established. And granted, it was only two appearances in a couple of spring training games. His stuff in spring training so far has looked great. But so did Kluber's in the start that he had a few nights ago. And factoring in that if you even get most of what he used to be, or a portion of what he used to be, you got a really, really good pitcher on your hands to back up Garrett Cole. And Seve, of course, he's not coming back until the middle of the season or so, June, July, or so reports have said. And I'm confident that he'll be great when he comes back too, but especially since Kluber will be there since the beginning of the season, and we'll be seeing much more of him throughout, hopefully, if he stays healthy. But if he does, then I gotta go with Kluber. All right, next up is my friend Tina at MountainGal456, and Tina says, What are your thoughts regarding Stanton? Would you rather see him be the DH going forward or see him in the field? Keeping in mind, he is still fairly young. Well, my opinion remains the same as it was a few months ago, and that opinion is that I believe we'll be continuing to see Stanton much more at the designated hitter role, as we've seen the last couple of years. But just some time ago, the Yankees also did announce, as we know, that he might be getting some reps in the outfield. And he could, maybe when somebody gets a day off, or obviously also if injuries start to take hold of this team again, then you might see him in the outfield some more. But otherwise, I think you're going to be seeing him primarily in the DH role again, which I do prefer just for the sole purpose that if he's not in the field and moving around very much, just being a designated hitter, which obviously you're just going up to hit, so you're moving around much less, then I think being a designated hitter also provides much less of a chance for Stanton getting hurt, which I personally prefer. I'm willing to do whatever it takes just to keep Stanton on the field. And if keeping him at DH is what it takes, then I'm doing that. So I would personally rather keep him at DH, and I do think realistically going forward, that is the role that we still primarily see him in. But for the factors that I also mentioned before, Tina, he could possibly get some outfield reps again. We'll just have to see. But I'd rather him just stay at DH, less risk of injury that way. Even if he does have a new training routine and could possibly have his misfortune with injuries dissipate. I mean, one can only hope. But just erring on the side of caution, I guess, just primarily keep him at DH. All right, let's keep going. At Laker 477 is up next, and they ask, if you could go back in time to experience or relive any one moment in Yankees history in person, which would it be? Huh. I love this question, first of all, but I have to think about this. So many moments. So, so many moments. If I think back on it, this might surprise some people, but... I think I would want to see Lou Gehrig's speech in person. I really do. I think I would want to see the luckiest man on the face of the earth speech in person. And I know that's not really an in-game moment, but 
that was just like such an iconic day in Yankees history. One of the most famous speeches basically ever. And I've always, always idolized Lou Gehrig so, so much. He has always been in the discussion for me as one of the best players ever. And you'll be hearing me reiterate a lot of this later on in Yankees news when we talk about that special day I mentioned. But as of now with this question, because of all those things and just because of how iconic of a speech it was, and just because of that iconic day in Yankees history, I would probably want to go back and see that. And there's just so much. I mean, I really had to sit there and think about it for a while because, of course, Yankees history is just so rich. And there is so much that I just sit there and just wish with every fiber of my being that I was around to see in person with my own eyes, whether it be on TV or at the game or on the radio, whatever. But right now, as of this moment, and I'm sure there are other countless moments that are not popping up in my head at this very second. But as of right now, yeah, I'm going to have to pick the luckiest man on the face of the earth, Lou Gehrig's speech in 1939. Next is at SirGerm88, and they say, what's your prediction for today's spring training game? I mean, I know you wrote this comment yesterday, but I mean, if you were talking about yesterday's game, that already happened, and I already know the result of that. (laughs) But I guess I'll give my prediction for today's game. I guess they win today. I mean, if we're being honest, I don't really care to predict spring training games that much. They don't even count. But I guess if I had to say, I I guess they'll win today. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I guess they'll win. The game's starting in about 45 minutes to a half hour for me, so I'm recording a bit before it. So the beginning of the game, like maybe the first inning or two, will be going on while I am probably wrapping up the show. But as for today's game, I guess I'll just say they win. Who's on the mound today? Yeah, Jordan Montgomery. Yeah, I'll say he goes out there and pitches well. And uh, the Yankees come out with a win. (laughs) It's spring training, so I don't really mind. But yeah, I'll say they'll win. Up next is at Papa underscore Cole 45. And they ask, if Aaron Judge were to stay 100% healthy this year and play 150 games, what would you think his stats would end up as? Well, if you do follow me on Twitter, you would know that almost two months ago, at some point in like beginning mid-January, I can't remember exactly what the date was, but it was like beginning mid-January, I put out a prediction for Aaron Judge very similar to one that I put out before the 2020 season, before COVID just destroyed everything. And obviously in a 60-game season, Aaron Judge did not even have the time to achieve those kind of stats that I predicted in 2020, even if he were healthy for the whole season. So I did reiterate the same sort of positive prediction for 2021, truly meaning it from the heart, thinking that it's truly what he could do. And I said that Aaron Judge would play 140-plus games this year, And he would hit anywhere from 40 to 45 home runs, maybe driving like, I don't know, like 120, slugging over 600, OBP maybe around or just over 400, which would obviously lead to an OPS over 1,000. So yeah, I'm very positive about Aaron Judge this year, as I've mentioned for many weeks now. So around 150 games, as you said, it would probably be around the same thing. Maybe I'd add maybe a few more home runs. So for your prediction, I'd say maybe like 45 to like 48 home runs, like 120 RBIs, give or take. Those stats with OBP, slugging, and OPS before that I mentioned, and with batting average, I know a lot of people don't care about batting average anymore, but it does still hold at least a little bit of value to me. So maybe like 275 or 280. At the end of the day, I guess hovering around sort of similar numbers to 2017. So yeah, it would be incredible. And we all know that if Aaron Judge were healthy, we all know what he could do. That's been well established everywhere. His health is his problem, so if my prediction of him playing 140-plus comes true, or if your prediction of him being 100% healthy and playing 150 games comes true, then yeah, we know we're going to see incredible things from Aaron Judge, both at the plate and on the field. 
All right, time is just flying right by. Let's do a few more. Up next is at Andrew Caruso 77 and Andrew asks me, how often do you think Gardner will start? And which one of these do you think will be on the bench on opening day between Bruce and Duhar, Talkman, or Dietrich? Ah, you snuck in two questions there. <laughs> I'll answer the second one first because I sort of already answered that before with Mike's question, the first reply I did. And I basically gave my thoughts on all potential bench spots and bench guys who are competing for that potential spot left, or two. But of these names, I'm going to reiterate who I want to be on the bench, and that's Dietrich, of those four names. But again, it's still been a little tough to decide because the competition this spring has been good so far. And how often do I think Gardner will start? Well, actually, probably fairly often because I still do think he's going to be a backup role, but you got to remember, he could back up left or center field. So if Clint or Hicks need a day off, or if either of them get hurt, especially if they're facing a right-handed pitcher, which of course is more than likely than facing a left-hander, then you're probably going to see Brett Gardner out there. So you could still see him quite a bit, but obviously more often, I think you're going to be seeing Clint and Hicks out there. But we could definitely end up seeing at least a decent amount of Brett Gardner between days off or injuries. You could see him out there quite a bit. But if everything stays good with injuries and there are not as many days off given, then you're obviously going to be seeing much more of the starters, and that's Clinton left and Hicks in center. But I see you, Andrew, sneaky SOB, sneaking two questions into there. <laughs> All right, up next is at Peace Now for Life, Rebecca at Peace Now for Life, and she says, If you were baseball commissioner for one day and anything you did had to remain as part of the game, what would be the one thing you do or change? All right, so if only one change is allowed, as far as changes that are in the game right now, I would undo the runner on second in extras. That would be gone. I would want to undo the seven-inning doubleheaders too, but not only is there only just one thing allowed here, but also I kind of understand it with this season because, again, we're probably going to be expecting a lot of COVID postponements this year, and the doubleheaders are probably going to pile up. And if there are a great many of them, then seven-inning doubleheaders, as annoying as it is to cut two innings off of a baseball game, it might come in handy for the guys. Again, as stupid as it is to cut innings off of baseball games. Nobody wants to see that happen. But because of the circumstances, both last year and this year, still expecting COVID postponements this year and resulting in lots of doubleheaders, for those reasons, I'd probably just leave that alone for this year and probably just remove the runner on second in extras rule. But if it's just one other change and not undoing anything, then I would probably just enforce, which I consider to be at this point, the inevitable. And the inevitable is the universal DH, which I feel should be here already, especially after testing it out last year. And not only did people seem to be on board with it, and it was very nice to finally see the two leagues on the same page, but just everywhere else basically uses the universal DH. I mean, traditionalist or not, when it comes to seeing pitchers hit, I mean, it's time for the change to be made. And I know that a lot of people want to see the tradition stay around with pitchers hitting, I get it. But not only is it time for the change to be made, but it's really not even that bad of a change. You're seeing someone much more capable at hitting come to the plate in place of the pitcher who's most likely just going to get out. And regardless of how exciting it is to see the occasional pitcher get the occasional hit, having what's mostly, and when I say mostly, I mean mostly, an automatic out come to the plate in a game doesn't really do much to generate much excitement for baseball. And even if someone does get a hit, then there's always a chance that rounding the bases or however else, the pitcher could also get injured. So for all of those reasons, and I've expressed this many times already, I think it's just more than overdue 
for the DH to be enforced in Major League Baseball. The Universal DH, both leagues, designated hitter, and that is probably the change that I would make if I were commissioner for a day to last forever. So I hope that answers your question, Rebecca. And yeah, with what I said before with undoing that extra inning rule, yeah, get the hell rid of that. Because even last year, if you remember, there were plenty of games that still went to the 12th, the 13th inning, even with that rule there. So when you think about it, a lot of days that rule didn't even do much to shorten extra inning games. So, and who the hell wants to put an unearned base runner out there on second base anyway? And people didn't even really take it as an opportunity to bunt more and play small ball because again, just bunt him over to third, hit a sack fly maybe. But I really don't think that rule brought about much change. So, all right, I'm getting sidetracked. Let's keep going. <laughs> all right, up next is at CG2KGod, and they say, will the whole COVID situation have an impact on the Yankees' success this season? Well, I think not really much more of an impact than it would on any other team. I think it'll complicate matters for the Yankees and baseball teams all over the league at certain points. There's going to be postponements, I assume. There's going to be double headers, and that could have an impact. Seven-inning double headers and... If you're not really good at that as a team, then you're going to lose a lot of those games, and that could change the outcome a little bit. I mean, I'm just spitballing here, but I don't think it's going to have too much more of an effect, hopefully, on the Yankees than it does generally on all the teams throughout the season. But hopefully, as I also said earlier, that the more people are vaccinated and the more that things start to loosen up throughout the season, hopefully, as the season progresses, things just get easier and easier and less and less complicated. And also, you have to hope that no Yankee comes down with the virus, obviously. But ideally, of course, you hope that it impacts the Yankees and everybody else as little as possible. All right, maybe a couple more. Up next is at Laura underscore Icemont, and Laura asks, Who would you rather make the opening day roster, Dietrich or Bruce? Well, as I said earlier, they're both making it really difficult because they're both having good springs. At this point in time, because of all the reasons that I mentioned earlier, I don't want to just regurgitate everything I've been saying already, but... I am going to again pick Derek Dietrich out of those two. At NYYFanForever96 asks, Garrett Cole record predictions and two, who will be the bench players this year? All right, another sneaky SOB sneaking in two questions. <laughs> All right, so since the bench question has been asked plenty of times, I'm just going to answer your first one, my guy. I'm just going to end up sounding like a broken record at some point. So Garrett Cole record predictions. I like that question. Nobody's asked that yet. So Garrett Cole record predictions. Now this actually requires a little bit of thought because in his first season in pinstripes last season was the shortened 2020 season. So of course, nobody really had a natural win-loss record as they would in a regular 162 game season because there were only 60 games. And I don't like predicting win-loss stats because in general, and I've said this many times on this show and on social media, I personally hate the win-loss stat and I value it very little. But for the sake of answering your question and being a good host, <laughs> I'll say that Garrett Cole will win anywhere from like 17 to 19 games. And he'll probably lose like 5. I, I guess that'll be my guess. So I'll go with like 18 and 5. That'll be my prediction. I hope I'm wrong and he gets even more, even into the 20s, but I'll just say 18 and 5. I think that's a pretty safe prediction, don't you think? All right, up next is at its underscore bleach bit, and they ask, why isn't the MLB a household sport like football? Oh boy, the million dollar question. Well, baseball as we know, and I don't care what anybody says, baseball as we know, regardless of whether or not it's the most popular sport in the country anymore, which of course we know it's not, it will always be America's pastime. I don't care what anybody has to say about it. And yes, again, if you go by the stats, the statistics, the numbers, they're all there. They show that football blows baseball and the other sports, quite frankly, all put together out of the water. 
Football is the most popular sport in the country, and nobody, statistically, is arguing with that because the numbers are there. But as far as being America's pastime and always having an important role in the country overall, baseball will always be the country's pastime. And if you have something to say against that, then go debate a brick because I don't want to hear it. But I just think, and it's obvious, that baseball still attracts the older audience. It attracts plenty of younger people like me, for instance. <laughs> I'm only 24, and baseball is literally my heart and soul. And obviously the league thinks that it's just the length of the game that is really leading to that. And they've come up with changes that literally just subtract mostly like five minutes off a game, maybe. And for some reason they think that that'll do anything, and it really hasn't, because they just don't get it. But I've cited why baseball has a problem for a long time now, and lots of other major people agree with me. They've voiced many of the same opinions, and that's just marketing. They black out their product because they're more consumed with their TV deals, and they make their content so hard to get a hold of, and really just blast out on social media, and just everything like that. They don't market their main stars as much as they should. It's just a big problem. Baseball has a big problem. And I don't think it'll ever die. I hope it never dies because, again, it is my heart and soul. It's my life, and I want to be sitting here talking about the Yankees with you forever if I could. But football just naturally draws a lot more eyes. There's a lot more intense action going on throughout the game in general, and a lot of other people just might rather that. It just depends on personal preference, too. But their content is also so much easier to get a hold of, both to stream and to find other games on various other television networks and channels. I mean, just the access to it is so open. Getting a hold of baseball games, it's, it's a lot harder. And us diehard fans know that. And subtracting 5-10 minutes off a baseball game is not going to do anything. And we've seen for years now, with all the ridiculous changes they've enforced, that it doesn't do anything. And the proof is in the numbers. So again, if you disagree, argue with a brick. So baseball has a big problem with marketing and just getting the games out, getting the content out. And they seem to be totally tone deaf to all of it. Because they're too busy making nonsensical changes that aren't going to change anything. In fact, the only thing that's going to change is that you're going to be alienating the ones who love the game so much already and making the product suffer even more, potentially. So, yeah, it's a long thing. I mean, listen, this question, I could do a whole show on this question alone, so I don't want to spend too much time on it, but that's the main reason that I'll mention, like marketing, promoting, getting the content out. I think those are major, major factors. So I hope that answer, although, again, it could very well be much, much longer, I hope that did good to answer your question at least mostly. But I do want to get to a couple of other people. Up next is James Celestin at BlackRebirth52, and James asks, does Clark Schmidt get called up once he's back from injury? I mean, yeah, if they have room for him and they need him, but the Yankees have a lot of starting depth as it is, because after Montgomery, who's probably going to be the fourth starter, maybe, as I see it right now, it's probably going to be Garrett Cole, Corey Kluber, Jameson Tyon, Jordan Montgomery, and then five is up for grabs, Domingo Herman, Davey Garcia. And although I definitely don't see him as the five starter right now, you also got guys like Michael King, as we've established. But if they need Clark Schmidt, whether it be to cover a fifth spot if injuries happen or what have you, or maybe if they need, like, long relief depth in the bullpen and there's space on the roster, yeah, they might call him back. But other than that, I don't think they would call him up, really, and I know that they're not really in any urgent rush to get him back. The important thing is that he's healthy and that he's there for whenever you need him. So we'll have to see, but it's definitely possible that they could. Okay, we're going to finish up the segment by heading over to Instagram and ending, as always, with my girlfriend Vic and my mom. So we'll get those two out, and then we'll move on to Yankees news. Some really good questions in this Q&A today. I've really had fun with this. 
Okay, up next is my amazing girlfriend, Vic Salimo, and she asks, what do you predict to be the final record for the Yankees by the end of the season? All right, yeah, I'm kind of surprised that I even looked at more of the questions that I unfortunately wasn't able to get to, and none of them really asked me what I believe the final record for the Yankees this year will be. I thought that was going to be a question asked multiple times, but only Vic did. So if I had to pick, and yeah, I'm going out on a limb, given recent history with injuries that this team, I believe, will stay at least mostly healthy throughout most of the year. And if that comes to fruition, I'd say the Yankees win 98 games. I think that's pretty safe to assume. Because think about it, in 2019, they had over 30 injuries, and the team was just overwhelmed, being bitten and just slaughtered by the injury bug. And that team won 103 games. So, I would say that this team could very well, if mostly healthy, also win 100 games. But I'm also balancing it out a little bit and still erring on the side of safety just a bit. So, I'll subtract a couple from that and say that they win 98 games this year. So, my final record prediction, 98 and 64. I think that's pretty fair. And some people who are listening to this may even tell me that I'm being too generous with that. So... That is my prediction. All right, and last but not least, as always, is my mother, Julia Gina Scudero, and my mom asks, Since the Mets seemingly appear to surprise us with their new leadership in place, do you think a Mets-Yankees Subway Series might be incredible? Well, I've definitely said that within the next 10 to 15-ish years, maybe, that there is a solid chance that the Yankees and Mets could possibly meet in the World Series again. We could possibly get another Subway Series World Series. And yeah, I think that would be amazing for the town. It was back in 2000, and it would be extraordinary now. I would love for a Yankees and Mets Subway Series again that I could actually watch and understand, because when it happened in 2000, I was only three years old. I wasn't a baseball fan yet, and I couldn't understand it even if I was watching it. So... At just three going on four a couple of months after the World Series, I definitely didn't understand that one, but witnessing another one now, that would be awesome. I think it's very possible the Mets make the playoffs this year, but I don't think they'll be making the World Series this year, but I'd be shocked if they didn't make it there within the next five to ten years or so. So we'll have to see, and of course the Yankees are currently in the window where, especially this year, they really have no excuse to not win the pennant this year, especially if they remain at even near full health as far as the team is concerned, but another Subway Series World Series? Yeah, that would be out of this world. And I would be going ballistic and probably sweating through my clothes in every minute of each of those games. <laughs> but it would be absolutely awesome. And it could happen in the next 10, 15 years or so. I don't know, maybe even in the next 5 to 10. We'll have to see what fate has in store for us. But my god, would that be fun. <laughs> Alright, that is all for this week's social media segment. I absolutely love doing this Q&A. As I mentioned before, it's been a little while since we did one, and I had a blast answering these questions. Really good questions, guys. I had a good time. So thank you all so much, whether you submitted them on Instagram or Twitter. I don't care. It's all the same to me. You took about a minute out of your day to interact with this show, and I cannot tell you in words how much I appreciate that. Of course, there are plenty of you who I did not get to, and like I do every single week, I urge you to keep on replying, keep on interacting with each social media segment every week for the show, and I will get to you eventually. And if you want to see some of the questions for yourself, particularly on Twitter, just head on over to my Twitter page, at Mike Scudero. Scroll down and find the Q&A tweet and look in the comments. They should all be under there. You can read both the questions I got to and did not get to. But in any event, obviously, I still thank each and every one of you a million for your interactions. That was an awesome Q&A, and I look forward to the next one, whenever it may be. 
But let us move on to some Yankees news. We'll do Yankees news and then do that quick recap of the last week's spring training action. And then I guess we'll wrap up for the day. But as for Yankees news today, I teased two things back in the introduction of the show. The first thing being Aaron Boone's procedure for his pacemaker. And also a special day being dedicated to a Yankees legend. We'll start first with the report on Aaron Boone's procedure from a few days ago. And as I said, the procedure was that Aaron Boone was to have the surgery and receive a pacemaker, and he would be taking a medical leave of absence, which he did take. And before the procedure, he did release a statement, a statement that I want to read to you in case you didn't hear it. So this is Aaron Boone's statement prior to his procedure. Quote, As many of you know, I underwent open-heart surgery in 2009, and I wanted everyone to understand where I'm at regarding the procedure that's taking place today. Over the last six to eight weeks, I've had mild symptoms of lightheadedness, low energy, and shortness of breath. As a result, I underwent a series of tests and examinations in New York prior to the beginning of spring training, including multiple visits with a team of heart specialists. While the heart checkup came back normal, there were indications of a low heart rate, which, after further consultations with doctors in Tampa, necessitates a pacemaker. My faith is strong, and my spirits are high. I'm in a great frame of mind because I know I'm in good hands with the doctors and medical staff here at St. Joseph's Hospital. They're confident that today's surgery will allow me to resume all of my usual professional and personal activities and afford me a positive long-term health prognosis without having to change anything about my way of life. I look forward to getting back to work in the next several days, but during my short-term absence, I have complete trust that our coaches, staff, and players will continue their training and preparation at the same level as we've had and without any interruptions. I also want to take this opportunity to remind all of those dealing with heart issues to remain vigilant in your care and to reach out to your doctor should you have any symptoms of discomfort or trouble. Any issue involving the heart has a potential to be serious. Staying on top of your health is always the first and most important thing you can do for yourself and your family. End quote. So that is a very good statement by Aaron Boone, especially that last part, just urging everybody that health is number one. And if you too are to have any heart problems, then be sure to get on top of it because anything involving the heart can be serious and he's definitely right about that. But otherwise, I actually didn't know about his open heart surgery in 2009, and as I said in the introduction, I hadn't known that Boone had any heart problems. So at first, this was pretty surprising and pretty scary to hear. I can't imagine that there's not at least a little bit of fear involved on Boone's behalf. Anything with the heart is scary. So this came out on Wednesday, and it was pretty nerve-wracking. I was a little nervous for him, and obviously everybody was praying for him, including myself, that it would go well. And it did, because the procedure was later on that day, and... Later on that day, they did say that the procedure went exactly as expected. It went very well. And Boone addressed the media a little while after and says that he now feels fantastic. And he now realizes even more just how badly he felt before because of how good he feels now. And that happens. Usually whenever you injure something or a part of the body feels bad and then you get it fixed and you realize just how bad it was before now that you feel much better since it's fixed. So I'm obviously thrilled personally that the procedure went well. I am glad that he feels so much better, that the pacemaker has seemingly stabilized things for him as far as his heart health for now. And as he goes on, of course, I hope Aaron Boone experiences the same sort of good fortune with his heart in the future. And I hope he just remains healthy, stays on top of this, which I'm sure he will. 
and I wish him the best. I'm very glad the procedure went well and that he is back at the helm as the manager. He returned yesterday, and it's good to see him back, fully functioning with his new pacemaker, and everything is all good. And if you were one of the dopes going on social media making jokes at all, the Yankees are already starting to get hurt, now even the manager has to go get an operation and making jokes, I got breaking news for you, you're not funny. So quit your aspiring social media comedian career now because nobody thinks you're funny. I hate to tell you, but if you're one of those people, then I can tell you now, you just come off as really annoying. So it's not funny, you're not funny, and just stop. So I just had to address those morons out there really quick because I saw a little bit of that on social media when this was announced in the middle of the week. But otherwise, aside from those idiots, I'm really glad again that Aaron Boone is all good, and I hope his heart health going forward is at tip-top condition. And us Yankee fans weren't the only ones to be very happy that Boone's procedure went well and that he's back now, but also the Yankee players were extremely eager to get their manager back, and it was really adorable, <laughs> because while he was getting ready for his procedure, and even after when he was recovering from it and he was in his leave of absence, apparently like the Yankee players were sending him videos and telling him how much they can't wait for him to return, and it's just like so nice seeing players that have such love and admiration for their manager, and they just love Boone. They really do. The players just love the guy. Constantly wishing him well, and just, it seemed like they couldn't wait until he got back to manage the team again. So for Yankee fans and players alike, I think it's safe to say a great deal of people are glad to see Aaron Boone back. And again, all the best to him going forward. Now, the other thing that I wanted to talk about in Yankees news that I also teased about in the intro a little bit is a special day being held for a Yankees legend. And the announcement of this day being held for this Yankee god was also announced in the mid to later part of the week. And this announcement from Major League Baseball was that they will now be holding an annual Lou Gehrig Day on June 2nd of every year, remembering and honoring the Yankee legend Lou Gehrig every year on June the 2nd, after a group of people affected by ALS, otherwise better known as Lou Gehrig's disease, banded together and convinced teams and the league to honor him like they do Jackie Robinson and Roberto Clemente, other icons like that. And the announcement of this day made me happier than I could even possibly put into words. Because not only, as I said earlier, is this day long overdue, even though, as I also said, it's better late than never. But not only is this day long overdue, but Lou Gehrig has just always meant a lot to me as well. Anytime anybody wants to talk about the greatest players in history in general or the greatest Yankee players, Lou Gehrig, to me, has always been in the discussion. And especially when talking about the best baseball players of all time, I feel like a lot of people leave him out, and I never have. Lou Gehrig, of course known as the Iron Horse, for playing as many games consecutively as he did, 2,130 games in a row, which would obviously be the record held for many, many years before it was broken by Cal Ripken Jr., but in today's game, neither of those numbers will ever be seen again as far as consecutive games played. And that's just besides the point. But that record by Lou Gehrig, the 2,130 games in a row played, was held for many decades, only stopping because he did come down with his disease, ALS, famously named Lou Gehrig's disease after him, and he just continued to play in every single game until he just physically could not anymore, and he voluntarily removed himself from playing in a game against the Tigers on May 2nd, 1939, 
and that is when his streak, his famous streak, would end. That was his final season in the major leagues, 1939, only playing eight games and having 28 at-bats. Just two months after his final game played, on July 4th, 1939, as I mentioned earlier in the show, would be his famous luckiest man on the face of the earth speech. His career, obviously, would be cut short. And shortly after that, in 1941, his life would be cut short too. Succumbing to the disease at just age 37. He was about to be 38 in just a couple of weeks. And before the end of his career, of course, I would hope all of us know Lou Gehrig's history, his accomplishments as part of Murderer's Row, and really the first Yankees dynasty that won all of their championships in the 20s and the 30s. His individual accomplishments in just 16 seasons. I know it was 17 with 1939, but it's tough to count 1939 because of what happened with his disease. But 493 home runs, 1,995 RBIs, career 340 batting average. And who knows what these numbers would have been given a few more years in a full career. It would have been even more remarkable. Career on base percentage of 447, 632 slugging, 1,080 OPS, Those are just career numbers, again, 16 seasons. If he didn't come down with his disease, who knows what would have been. Even more remarkable than what already was. He definitely would have also achieved 3,000 hits. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Me personally, in my personal Yankees list, the best Yankees of all time, Jeter and Gehrig are my top two. I mean, it's hard to not make them your top two. I think those two are literally the definition of a Yankee. And best players of all time, Lou Gehrig is towards the top as well. And he's always in the discussion for me. I don't know how you don't include him, but he's just gotta be there. He has to be. He's just such an icon. And I just loved the announcement of this day. I really did. Players like Jackie Robinson and Roberto Clemente definitely deserve their honors too. But so do guys like Lou Gehrig. And although his day is long overdue... Dedicating a day to Lou Gehrig like this, I'm just glad it's finally happening, starting this year, and I can't wait to see what they do with it. I mean, I imagine they might wear patches on the uniform, maybe just like a moment of silence for him. Definitely also a big opportunity to raise money in the fight against ALS, like the people who are behind starting this whole day to begin with, and are affected by the disease, and it's really good because I have also read that there have been some breakthroughs against that awful, awful disease I know people personally who have gotten it, and it is just an awful disease. It's truly terrible what happens to people when they get this. So for all of these reasons, and just for the fact, of course, it goes without saying how much Lou Gehrig deserves a day dedicated to him, I was so, so happy to hear about this. So every year, going forward forever, hopefully, June 2nd is Lou Gehrig Day. And on June 2nd, we will now be honoring and commemorating undoubtedly one of the best players not only in Yankee history, but in baseball history. And I am just so happy about it. And I know a lot of other people are too. As they should be. It's a big, big deal. And definitely, definitely goes without saying, I had to make it a point to mention this on today's show in Yankees News and just talk about it. Just honor Lou Gehrig even more and talk about how excited I am that there is finally going to be a day to honor and commemorate him every single year. So that is the announcement. Every year, on June 2nd, after a group of people affected by ALS really got together and convinced teams and the league to do this, there will be a Lou Gehrig Day, and Lou Gehrig will be honored and remembered, just as other icons are in the likes of Jackie Robinson and Roberto Clemente. And again, I could not be happier about it. And with that being said, 
let's talk about the other thing that I couldn't be happier about, and that is baseball games being back. So, let's wrap up today's show by talking about this past week's spring training action and the major takeaways from each game, starting from last Sunday when we last spoke. It's good to have the weekly recap segment back, I missed it. So let's go back to last Sunday, and obviously, I already updated on this up until I was done recording last week, you might remember. I think it was 5 to 1 Jays at the time when I stopped recording last week. Well, regardless, after that, the Yanks ended up losing 5 to 4 in 7 innings. Most of the games to this point, as I anticipated last week, have mostly been 7 or 8 innings. They're apparently playing 9 today, but before today, most games were either 7 or 8 innings. But as far as last Sunday... They almost came back from when they were down 5-1. to one. Rob Brantley went deep. Two-run shot to right center with Luke Voigt on mic dropping an SHIT bomb. <laughs> that was really funny. And then Mike Talkman hit a long home run. A solo shot made it 5-4. to four, And that was the final score for Sunday in 7. Then starting Monday, the Yanks would begin a nice little three-game spring winning streak. The Yanks faced the Tigers on Monday. Garrett Cole had his first start of the spring on Monday. He only pitched the first inning, which is to be expected. The starting pitchers, even the big guys, usually don't pitch beyond the second inning, really, at the beginning of spring training. They usually only go an inning or two. And while he did have trouble in the first, he got out of it only allowing a run. He got a strikeout, and I couldn't care less about the jam he got into because, one, it was just a run, and two, which some people just constantly seem to forget, it's spring training and pitchers experiment with their stuff a great deal. So please calm the hell down. (laughs) It really is times like this where you see just who knows baseball and who doesn't when they legitimately complain about regular things in spring training. I even had someone tell me that it was a concern that we didn't see Stanton in the starting lineup on Thursday after his first game played on Wednesday, as if anybody really plays two days in a row at the start of spring training. I mean... (laughs) Come on, guys. I expect better, especially out of people supposedly watching the game for years, particularly. You guys should know that the main starters will get more and more time gradually as spring training progresses and the regular season gets closer. If you're a newer fan, then fine. But otherwise, if you've been watching this for a long time, then get with the program. You should know this. I mean, really, get with it. But anyway, this is just turning into another segment complaining about people. (laughs) I'm done telling people about the game of baseball when clearly all they do is just try to find things to whine about. So, in any event, that was the deal with Cole. (laughs) Otherwise, Gary Sanchez hit a monster shot over the batter's eye in dead center field. And that is a high wall, man. (laughs) His first homer of the spring, he has two at this point, and he's looking pretty good so far. And it's just spring training, I know, but he's looking pretty good. Better than doing bad. And then a power prospect of the Yankees by the name of Chris Giddens. You should remember his name from other spring trainings the last couple of years. He's been in the Yankee system for a little while now. He hit a massive home run himself to left center for a grand slam. So two mammoth homers carrying the Yanks to victory. Tyon came into this game too after Cole. He pitched the second inning, and it was fantastic to see his debut. He worked a quick seven-pitch, one-two-three inning. He looked amazing. His curveball was pure filth, and it was a great debut. And I know that, again, it's just spring training, and it's just one inning in spring training, but hopefully it's a sign of things to come for him. 
But this was a fun game. I went over this one a bit more in depth because there was more to address. Cole pitching for the first time in the spring, Tyon pitching, Gary and Giddens both not only hitting home runs, but absolute nukes. And I actually even heard reports from NASA that a baseball caused minor damage to one of our satellites orbiting the Earth by colliding with it. They say the trajectory of it shows it came from Tampa, Florida, where George M. Steinbrenner Field is shortly after Gary Sanchez was at the plate, so really weird there, I don't know. Anywho, Yanks won 5-4 in 7 innings, so let's get to Tuesday. Montgomery started this game, he pitched 2 innings, struck out 2, and although he ran into some trouble in the first, he only allowed 1 run. Clint Frazier got an RBI single, Luke Voigt got an RBI single, Mike Ford got a 2-run double, and the Yanks won that one 4-2 against the Orioles, also in 7 innings. On Wednesday, the Yanks played the Jays again, no broadcast anywhere for either team, radio, TV, nothing. My boy Corey Kluber had his spring debut, shame I couldn't watch him or even hear him pitch, but he threw two perfect innings. I still saw a little footage, thankfully, from those recording the game and putting it on Twitter if they were in attendance at George M. Steinbrenner Field. Shout out to all the people who did that, and for all the people who are recording everything with all the games that aren't being broadcasted, you know who you are. But Kluber was locked down in his spring debut. Gary hit another solo shot, that would be his second of the spring. Derek Dietrich hit a two-run shot, Robinson Chirinos hit a solo shot, Aaron Judge was actually hit by a pitch, and he seemed to be totally fine and still does, so thank God for that. And the Yanks won this one too, 4-1 to one in 7. Thursday. <laughs> I'm gonna be straight up with you. There was nothing to really mention much for this game. The Yanks got absolutely bodied, destroyed, clapped. Any expression you want to use for it, but they lost 15 to nothing in eight innings. Davey Garcia had his spring debut, gave up two runs in two innings, just two solo shots, but otherwise I thought his stuff was actually looking pretty good. He also struck out three, and then the bullpen arms like Asher Wajowski and Albert Abreu came in after and just got completely torched. So that's the story with that. 15 to nothing lost to the Phillies as their three-game spring training winning streak came to an end. On Friday, the Yanks saw the Tigers again. This game ended in a 1-1 to tie. Domingo Herman, amidst all the controversy surrounding him that we've spoken all about the last couple of weeks, mostly last week towards the end of the show, had his first spring start, and I'll tell you, he looked great. Two scoreless innings, only allowing one base runner on a double by Wilson Ramos, four strikeouts, the fastball was beautifully located, Breaking pitches and off-speed stuff were filthy, and he did a really great job. As far as the offense, the one run came on a solo shot by Glaber to right field. Nice oppo taco for Glay. Throughout the game, there were lots of hard-hit balls, actually, that ended up being outs. Hits were taken away on good plays, like the ball that Stanton hit to left center. DJ had a really good day, two for two with a walk. I mean, what else is new? And that's pretty much it. And, oh, Luis Medina also pitched, highly touted Yankees prospect, and he had a tough inning giving up a run and walking four guys, but hey, nerves probably got to him, the kid's only 21 years old, I'm sure he'll be totally fine, nothing to flip out about at all if you ask me. Then yesterday there was a rain delay before start time, Cole was originally supposed to start the game, but it was then changed to tie-on, so he got a start against his former team, the Pirates, and he did a solid job yet again. Two shutout innings, four strikeouts, and pitches looked great again. Chassin came in after and struggled again, gave up two runs. Sessa gave up one later in the game, and 
As far as the bats, Jay Bruce and Clint Frazier both went deep for solo shots, and the Yanks lost 3-2 in seven innings. And now in today's game, they only just wrapped up the first inning. They're expected to play a full nine innings today. They're facing the Phillies again. Monty's on the mound for today, and he pitched a scoreless first. The Yanks didn't score in the bottom half, and now they're going to the second. Monty will come back out, and we'll see what happens with him. You obviously know what happens in today's game already, because you're either listening to this tonight or later on in the week. So I'm just saying as far as what's going on with me right now, as I'm taping right now, the game is going to the top of the second. As far as what's ahead for this coming week, the Yanks are off tomorrow. Tuesday, they face the Tigers again at 1.05 p.m. Wednesday is the Pirates at 6.35 p.m. Thursday will be the Phillies again at 1.05 p.m. Again, just getting to see Girardi, DD, Ronald Torres, and a bunch of the other former Yankees that the Phillies have a lot this spring. Friday will be the Tigers again at 1.05 p.m. Saturday will be the Pirates again at 1.05 p.m. And then next Sunday, when I speak to you again, it'll be the Blue Jays at 1.07 p.m. But as for now, guys, that is all for episode 86 of Yapping Yankees today. So let's give one last shout out to Grunt Talks MLB, Reckless Airwaves, and Ball 9. Ball 9 brings you some of the best baseball content out there. Baseball stories old and new, articles, roundtable discussions, suggested baseball podcasts like Yapping Yankees, and more. So why don't you go ahead and visit Ball 9's website, ball9.com, and follow them on all social medias at Ball9, and know what you don't know. Next, we have Reckless Airwaves Radio. Get your latest uncensored, unlimited dish on everything sports. Interviews, featured podcasts, including Yapping Yankees, and much, much more. Anything goes on Reckless Airwaves Radio. Give them a follow across all social medias at Reckless Airwave, and check out their website, RecklessAirwaves.com. And our final shout-out goes to Grunt Talks MLB. Visit their website, GrunttalksMLB.com, to see all of their baseball content and where they feature Yapping Yankees. Also, follow the mastermind behind that website. His name is Darren, and you can find Darren on Twitter at YankeeReport28, and follow them on all social medias at GrunttalksMLB. Special thanks to all of our friends at Grunt Talks MLB, Reckless Airwaves, and Ball 9 for always helping to spread the word about yapping Yankees. And obviously, guys, be sure to follow me on all social media so you can keep up on the latest having to do with me personally, along with the Yankees, of course, and Yapping Yankees announcements, content, and Twitter and Instagram social media segments every Saturday. Follow my Facebook fan page at MikeScuderoNY. Follow me on Twitter at MikeScudero and on Instagram at MikeScuds97. And I would also really appreciate it, guys, if you took the time to hit that subscribe button on the Yapping Yankees YouTube channel. We're just about to hit 300 subscribers on there, guys. Keep on hitting subscribe. (laughs) We're less than 10 subscribers away. Let's get to 300. But also don't forget to subscribe and always listen to Yapping Yankees on the other three platforms it's available on. And those are SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And while you're at it, why not listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you've missed? Don't miss out on the awesomeness. (laughs) Awesomeness, oh my god. Episodes 34 up to episode 86 today are available on YouTube. And all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And once again, 
Thank you, 3000, for listening to me yap today. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, March 14th, when I come at you with episode 87 of Yapping Yankees. Until then, guys, hang in there, be patient, please stay safe, look out for your loved ones, keep enjoying spring training baseball, have a great time with it, do not take it too seriously, please. Don't go overboard, please remember at the end of the day that the games don't count, but again, it is still baseball, so do please have a good time with it. Stay safe and enjoy your week, my friends. Take care.